Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Techman Talks Dynamics. This afternoon, we're having a general discussion on platforms for Dynamics and which way you should go, where you should be. So um, welcome to Liam Walton, Matthew Woodhouse, Liz Delaney, my partners in crime at Techman. Liam? We've probably over the last five, six years, maybe a little bit longer, we've gone from Everybody almost running on their own hardware where they would have a, a block of servers situated either in their office or somewhere where they would have that software installed and they would then their users would access it from there. So it was a fairly simple choice and it was just who, who was going to get those things spun up and, and working. And then as the cloud has become more and more prominent, we've, we've moved into more, more choices around that. Um, and uh, depending on where you want to have uh, your, your software uh, accessible from and, and where it's going to be installed, you've had some more choices. And that's where we end up with these, probably these new terms that we've just mentioned there, the, the traditional on-premise. We'll talk about that very briefly. And then we have something called platform as a service. We call that PaaS. And then software as a service, which we call a SaaS. And um, just as a, probably a, a very brief intro to those, I had a, I had a nice analogy given to me uh, a few few months back. Um, and it was the idea is if, if you're going to have a pizza, okay? So if you're going to have a pizza... The, the idea of a, 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 the way we would do it, if you're going to make it with your kids, you'd have to go out and you'd buy the cheese, the toppings, the sauce, the dough. Then you'd have to make sure you've got a, a, the oven ready to, to bake the thing. And then when it comes out, you've got to have a, a, something to eat it on, a dining room table, um, you know, something to eat and drink to go with it. So all of that is your responsibility um, as, a, as the person providing the meal. You've got to provide everything, all the ingredients, the cooking facilities and the, the dining experience. If you move to platform as a service, that's the old untraditional when you go and buy everything. You buy all the hardware, you've got to configure it, you've got to provide the power, the, uh, you know, what happens if the, if the power goes off in your building, so all that disaster recovery stuff. If you then take the pizza analogy to platform as a service, all of a sudden, the only thing you have to provide is the place where you're going to actually eat it, the dinner, uh, the dining table, and, and maybe the drinks. Everything else, as in the the, the, the toppings, the pizza dough, the, the, the power and everything, is, is provided for you because you're going to put that on a platform that somebody else provides for you. So that's normally in a, in a data center somewhere in, in, in Europe, um, and that's in the current one we're providing, which is Microsoft Azure instance. Microsoft provide all of those facilities to allow you to, to run it, and you consume those type of things. And that's a bit like a pizza delivery. They provide everything for you, and the pizza arrives, and all you do is eat it. And then the final one, the software as a service, is the idea of like dining out. So I don't know, you go to your favorite pizza pizza chain and you don't have to do anything apart from turn up and eat the pizza that's put in front of you. You don't have to worry about the, the, the cooking, the preparation, the ingredients. You just sit there, you choose what you want off the menu, you know how much that's going to cost you and then it arrives and you eat it and you enjoy it and you don't have to worry about any of the responsibility. And I think when we have these different platforms, that's really what we've got to, that you choose which is the right uh, solution for you. How much responsibility do you want to take for all of your infrastructure? If that, if you want to do that and you've, you've invested heavily in that and a team of people to support it, then on-premise is, is the way you're probably going to look at. But most people these days are saying, my IT team could be better better put into use in our business by looking at projects, strategic thinking, rather than worrying about all of those. So going to platform as a service where they just really worry about configuring the application, getting up and running um, a platform as a service is great. Software as a service, you don't have to worry about upgrading your software. Everything, everything is delivered for you. And you just log on, connect to it via URL, and away you go. So a very, very brief 
description. I'm sure you guys can add something to that, but those are the three areas we're looking at. So, so I guess if um, it, you know, if you want to carry that analogy forward, um, in effect, with pass, you can have whatever combination of toppings you want. Whereas with SAS, you're limited to the eight, ten different options on the menu. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be more menu driven. You're not going to get as much flexibility um, to do something exactly custom. If you've got a very fussy eater with you in your group, then yeah, you're not going to get that choice of maybe removing the anchovies off off your pizza if, if it comes on every single one. But with Pass, you will have some ability to to have some level of flexibility with the uh, with the software. I mean, and, and I think we're at a point now where probably SaaS, you know, that that all inclusive option is is the preferred is the common preferred option by new customers coming through our door recently it's would everybody agree with that liz you want to yeah def- definitely for, for for new customers um where we've got a, a clean sheet of paper to work from um the, the majority will will go on to the SaaS platform but what are the limitations where where should we not consider SaaS? why would we not is it based on size? Is it based on complexity? Because saying that you can't customise SaaS is, is misleading because you can customise SaaS and we are customising SaaS. We, we can add extensions um, for, from third parties or from ourselves onto the SaaS platform. So you can have as many customizations as you need to have. But what are the, at what point are you um, too fussy? At what point do you, uh, you, know, do you need to really go off menu? And, and consider a pass platform instead. So, Matt, uh, I think, you know, historically we've said this is based on size of the customer, mm-hmm. probably number of users, that crudely. But you've done some uh, SaaS implementations recently, which are significant size, significant transactions. How have you found those? To be honest, pr- pretty pretty good. The um, we, we had customer go live in January that was about 50-odd users, um, no real complaints with performance um, the only area where they thought it was going a bit slow is because they were still using terminal services um, and because people had actually got terminals so they were having to terminal server onto a server to get onto a browser to get onto SaaS platform <laughs> so not, not ideal and that is in you know they obviously realize that that's not exactly the future uh, and and so we'll be rolling out at least some basic PCs to those people um, you know going back 18 months SaaS was in its early days. You, know, you, you have to remember SaaS is still a shared back end. Um, so um, you, know, you don't get so much dedicated resource, but Microsoft have done a lot of work around the telemetry that sits behind that and actually monitoring where, you know, what level of um, servers you should be running on because you know, they can move it. Pass, however, pass you can just put a whole load of power in there and just be done with it. And it's yours. I am. I am heard about so-called noisy neighbour syndrome on SaaS no. for for a while now. I think that that's that's gone away. Um, I think I think it's more about your development methodology and how many table extensions you've added to that sales line table this time from different extensions. Um, seems to be where the performance is. So it's how it's developed rather than what we've developed. Yeah. Um, but size isn't everything, is it? It's not all about size. It's um, it's about the the access you can get to the, to the back end data as well. Still on a SaaS platform, so what limitations are there there? Well, again, I'd probably say I don't consider that a, a legitimate excuse anymore. I mean, you okay. know, if a customer really is going direct to SQL to pull their data out, 
Um, you know, I know historically a lot of Jet users have, have used the direct to SQL option because of the speed issue. Um, but I think I think you know those days are um, are very much numbered, and, and the even the way that you would do that on a on a pass platform. Um, you know, unless you're going to put the traditional platform on-premise uh, style, um, d- direct to SQL is, is not a direction you should be going at. Things like the OData feeds, the queries that you can build these days perform much, much better than they used to. Um, and, and so, and they give you much more flexibility in that it's just a URL. So it can get upgraded, it can redeploy everywhere and all the rest of it. Um, so, so all the limitations easy. that we had... 18 months ago, two years ago, they're gradually starting to uh, to disappear until actually it becomes the logical choice for most customers um, if they're going on to, if they're making the decision to start with Business Central from scratch, that's the logical decision for most. I, I'd put the caveat in that. I mean, you know, probably if you're building something new, that's why new customers are tending to go SaaS. Because if you are starting from new and building a new architecture for your ERP system, then yes, I think, you know, you would build it so that it's it's SaaS compliant. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, for existing customers where they've, you know, they've had workarounds, hacks, if you like, uh, that, that have taken them into uh, different interfaces and so on. That that's a little bit more. Um, when you've been used to something, you miss it. When you haven't, you don't. Um, and so, therefore, it's a bit more difficult for existing customers to migrate. But you know, this is the direction of travel. I think um, yeah, w- w- most of them will probably be SaaS in five years' time. And so they. You know, as we've discussed on this podcast before, they should be getting SaaS ready for everything new that they do, even if they're not going back to the old stuff and, and ripping that up just yet. I mean, I suppose and, and that's we- true. So, sorry, Liam, for, for, cause, because for all the customers who've now upgraded to, to BC14, um, everything new that we do is will be SaaS ready. Um, and we're gradually starting the process to, to look at things that were done in the past and, and getting them written so that they are also SaaS ready. Yeah, I- we're seeing some of them come out the other side. I mean, some of them are getting uh, so close to being SaaS ready that actually they're going, you know what, I'm fed up of those CAL modifications anymore. I'll just, can we just get them done and, and do a project to convert it? And that, you know, that that's that for me is success on, on part of that program. Well, yeah, because there's a significant cost benefit as well, isn't there, for for, go, for being on SaaS as opposed to PaaS. Um, so, you know, that, that uh, there's not, it's not an insignificant cost difference um, to go full SaaS. I think the thing with I was going to point out about SaaS, um, whether it's a compromise, I think you're probably right though, those those limitations, I think as we define it, are, are being removed all the time. It's a regular known cost. You're not going to have any surprises with that. You know, Microsoft mm-hmm. will guarantee how much you're paying. That in, Everything's wrapped up in there, your, your software, your, 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 uh, your infrastructure. Until um, the January the, price increase comes around. Might. Yeah. You know. Yes. Okay. They, they, they always have the ability that, or the, the possibility that that's going to happen, but you're not going to have a nasty surprise um, that if, if you if you've scaled something up and you're not aware of it, or if you used more resource than you were expecting, um, that 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 is fairly fixed. And they are fixing it for three years, which is which is quite a decent commitment from Microsoft, isn't it, at the moment? Um, I, all I was going to say is where for some people that ability with SaaS, which we haven't probably spoke about, is that the upgrades roll out. 
Um, and, and that's at Microsoft's choosing when, when that happens. So you will get some level of notification. But I know some organizations like to have a bit more control around that in the, an upgrade is not just going to suddenly land on you one Monday morning. I know they've, they've put a lot of testing in around that now, but um, on pass, you do get the choice when you are going to go to that version. So I guess it depends what you want as a business. Some will see that as a good benefit. Some will see it as a little bit of a concern. I, I, you know, I think it's a, a situation you should be able to live with. But, and there's a big but here, where you've lost a lot of responsibility in terms of kind of, uh, you know, managing the platform with, um, or, or you pay an organisation like us to manage the platform for us, that platform is managed for you. Um, but there is a whole bunch of other responsibilities around managing managing the solution. So, yes. you know, uh, that that's the so-called DevOps process where, you know, you've got to be ready because... Um, Microsoft could deploy a change out and you're only 90 days from from really losing one of your key customizations because they've changed um, you know that they, they've put a uh, something into the platform now actually they're giving us more notice for any serious change they're giving us more notice than that so we are getting probably 12 months notice of things like deprecation of soap is is one where they've given us about two, what two and two and a bit years worth of notification authentication's another one that important one from a security aspect where they've given us you know now over um I think it's about 12 months more before that 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 comes around and we have to do something but it it is there that you've got to be aware of what's coming down your your timeline and that timeline moves um, you know, it doesn't ever stop. And so that deadline gets closer and closer and closer. And you can't just leave it till the last possible moment before you kind of say, okay, I've got to do this today because the business consequences, if you don't get that right, are um, pretty devastating. So um, that's that's something you don't have with Pass where, you know, if the upgrade, if you can't fit the upgrade in this month, you can push it off till next month. And the consequences, well, it's still going to keep working. On SaaS, it doesn't keep working. It goes away. Microsoft take that customization out and you're left with a vanilla system potentially, um, which which might well not be great for your business. Um, so, yeah, you, you lose one responsibility, but you gain another. I think you also got to take a responsibility, haven't you, around your comms. That's probably the one, the one hurdle that we can't get over. If somebody wants to go pass or SaaS, but their comms aren't, going to allow that at the moment then that that's that's probably the only sticking point now where we would probably say don't don't go on 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 the cloud um i know it's becoming less and less but there are all organizations that find themselves in remote remote places where it's not an option it's great now though with people working like telford that, like telford <laughs> <laughs> there are there are a few dead spots dotted around yeah um but i think working from home that's been it's been great hasn't it that when when we all had to up, up sticks and leave nearly a year ago anybody that was in the cloud didn't have to worry about it they just had a url and away they went if you were on on-prem um you know suddenly people having to sort out vpns to have secure access to get back into their in-house systems and, and would still need to be maintained so again the flexibility of of, of pass and sas there are, um, are, are are fantastic i think the productivity shouldn't be underestimated either you know just being able to go to a browser on any machine you've logged onto your corporate network with um and just pull up that browser and, and flick straight in um you know and doing that from the browser as going to as many tabs as you want to so you know you you can sit there with six eight different sessions as they used to be called open uh, and and the user-based licensing works really well for that so you know that's a real plus for the future um 
some people moan about going from the Windows client across the web client, but actually, once you've used the web client for a few for a while now, I think you know uh, it's faster, it's more flexible, it's easier, and certainly um, with a secure URL. As you say, Liam, with your single sign-on password, you know it just works with everything else, and it fits into your scenario, especially when it's SaaS. One other thing that SaaS came to mind is you know the, the Teams integration they introduced um, in the autumn in the Wave Two release last autumn was the first thing where you couldn't have it on premise or on pass. Um, that's SaaS only, and. You know, I, I think that is the beginning of the. I don't think they'll ever lose doing on-prem or pass. If you're willing to pay for it, they'll provide it. But I think you will see an increasing list of things which um, perhaps don't work in those two environments, as opposed to SaaS. We've seen that, haven't we, with uh, with Dynamics from a CRM perspective, where they're a few years ahead of us in the, in the SaaS version that they, they started releasing functionality first on SaaS and then that stuff that could be replicated would come into the, uh, the, the on-prem versions, but it would be six months, 12 months down the line. So you were always playing a bit of catch-up. So it's a good point. You've also got the um, ease on SaaS of integrating with the Power Platform as well. So Power BI, Power Apps, um, Power Automate. It, it's, you know, you can solve some what would be fairly complex problems and require developers uh, quite easily in some of those platforms, and and it's just almost a click and go kind of experience when you when you're using it with SaaS. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Of you know, a lot of the setup that if you were trying to do it on pass or on 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 prem would take two three days of quite complex configuration, and you've got to have exactly the right version of the software. Um, you know, some of the platform software, so like Windows Server and, and SQL Server and that sort of stuff um, has all got to be there and, and you've got to have exactly the right cumulative updates, et cetera, et cetera, which can be hugely disruptive. Um, you know, on SaaS, it's it's a wizard. You go into the wizard, three clicks. Um, yeah, you're the uh, using BC from within Outlook, as we showed a few years ago, um, you know, but not that many. I don't know an on-prem client who's implemented that. Um, whereas with SaaS, you can have it and it's just there and you can use it if you want to because why wouldn't you set it up when it's four clicks away? I think the one thing with SaaS that a lot of people don't really take into account or don't realise, um, we used to have the, the joy of the occasional Microsoft audit where they would want to go through everyone's software and make sure your SQL was, was correctly licensed and all your other licensing was good. Um, and, of course, that was the IT team's responsibility so if, if Microsoft did that and they wanted to come and look at your on-prem stuff they had the right to, to check it you don't have to worry about any of that with SaaS you know when, when you sign up and everything that you're using is included in that monthly per user cost and and you just know that you are absolutely bang on with the licensing rules so you, it's a great thing not to worry about and you don't get that nasty shock of someone saying well actually you you are um, out of sync with Microsoft's licensing rules, which we used to get occasionally on-prem. Mostly it wasn't intentional. It was just Microsoft changing that frequently. It was really hard to stay up to speed with everything. So um, I think that's one area that, that people don't always consider, um, that and the security of the, the, the SaaS platform. If your hardware went down, you had an organization that typically would be on its knees until they could either get spare parts or they had to dual replicate every bit of kit and every bit of component that was in the network to make sure it, it wouldn't go down if there was a, a power. And even that wasn't a guarantee, was it? And no, you know, no. A driver update could take both ends of it down and then you'd be really stuffed. 
um, because everything had got match up. So it was hard work to try and keep that on. Whereas, you know, on Azure, um, SQL Azure, you know, your data is in two different da geographic data centers and is within, what do they say, five seconds of complete synchronization. So um, yeah, the cost of doing that, actually, if you were doing it as an individual company, is just astronomic, but it's just provided as part of the kind of global scale of, of the Azure platform um, for SaaS and you know, SaaS, your backups are done automatically as well. So you've got 28 days, I believe, of backups that you can go back to. Um, you have to request to restore them, but, um, you know, it, it's just done there. So it's worry-free. That, that, that's really where it's at. The one, the one thing we used to always get thrown at us when we started talking about cloud is what happens if my, my internet connection at work goes down and I can't access my systems. That was always the... The killer point. I'm going to have all these people sat around and not able to work. I, but I think people now have just got, you know, if the internet goes down, we've got problems. We can't connect to our bank. We can't connect to our customers, our website. All of those things suddenly becomes a concern. And, and actually, the way we're remote working now or with people with, you know, 4G phones, we've, we've found ways of getting around. There's alternatives. Yes, yeah, And you can guarantee that um, servers being down caused a lot more grief in, in days of old than internet connections being down now. You know, the, then, you were, then you were talking days. With internet, you're probably talking hours. So it, the, well, that's people not... Ju people just go home and work, don't they? Or they go to the local McDonald's. Or yeah, they or they connect via the phones. Or... Yeah, and, and obviously, yeah, on a, a SaaS or a PaaS platform, wherever you are, you just get access straight away. So what, what, what sides do we, do we worry about, though? And what areas or what extra... We talked there a little bit that, yes, there's a lot of the responsibility to be moved off. Where are people or should be people be putting investment into? We've talked about comms. Obviously, you should make sure you've got a, a really, really good line to the internet with, with some backup capabilities in there. What else should people... You've mentioned DevOps, DevOps, James. I think a lot of people, there's another term that we use and maybe customers aren't always aware of that. How would you define DevOps, what it means to our, our customers? It's sustainable software is, is you know, is, is another trendy term that you could use for it, really, because basically what it's doing, it, it's running an automated, a set of automated tests against the customizations you've got, against the latest version of the software as frequently as you want to and coming back and saying this still works or this doesn't work. Uh, and, and the machine does that. So it's, you know, it's a process that you set up. It takes some machine time. So it does cost some money to run, but um, it's, it's, I would suggest that the cost of, um, you know, cost of running the test is a lot less than the cost of the disruption if you weren't aware that it was going to break. So it's a, it's a little bit of insurance for your, um, your system. Um, and, you know, it, it can just ensure that um, whatever changes you make in the future, it, it minimises your manual testing regime to to the cosmetic, really. Um, it, it still makes sure that you know, numbers add up and transactions appear where they should do and all the rest of the things that you really want to happen, uh, regardless of what anybody's done on any particular day um, to, to do further changes. Um, and as systems get more and more complex and more and more integratedly, I mean, it's, it's really hard um, to do... Um, effective manual testing, you, I, I think it comes down more to the experience of the tester these days because you can't try every permutation. So they've got to try and spot what breaks and, and try that and go, oh, yes, it does break. And, and you know, that's really tough um, 
for anybody, however long they spent working with this system, as it gets more and more sophisticated. Um, so, you know, um, uh, DevOps, uh, again, is going to become uh, more and more of it. It's been a part of, uh, you know, other IT platforms for a long time. And really, DevOps has now come to the Dynamics platform in a major way in the last two years. And really, again, is going to be an essential uh, part of our future in the way that perhaps SQL management and optimization was in our past, but doesn't need to be anymore. So um, one day it may be redundant. Not sure when that is, certainly not now. And I guess that's, just to, to clarify that, that's, that's not necessarily the responsibility of the end user here. That's a service that we as a partner, we, we're picking up as that as, as, as something we do, that we make sure all those things are done with the customer, correct? Yeah, because actually, you know, what, what the customer needs is the customer needs to see absolutely zero disruption. Actually, the customer, if the customer knows nothing about the DevOps process being run, that's perfect because it means that it's run perfectly. Um, if they're aware of it, actually, that's a failure, um, bizarrely as it says, because something's failed to test, something hasn't been changed in time, um, you know, it, it, it's not all brought together. Um, and, and and so, yeah, this is, a, a I think, um, you know, for 95% of customers, this is probably something that their partner will run. Uh, there'll be one or two that will run it um, uh, themselves, um, where they've got an IT team that's familiar with the process. Uh, what's interesting is, you know, if you've got a, an external website that's creating sales orders, for instance, and posting them through to your backend business central system, um, you know, you might do a test process that says, right, I'm going to push this in the front end of the website as a test, and I'm going to see what ends up being shipped out of Business Central as a as the other end of the test and see whether that's end-to-end -end works. Now, that might be a bit more difficult for us as a just the Business Central end of it to test if, if we want to do end-to-end. -end. So there's lots of options there, but certainly I think, um, you know, the, the breaking it down into smaller, what we call unit tests. So you're, you're testing every individual step and, and therefore the end-to-end -end should work is, is probably a way to go. But you know, back to um, the other thing, I, just to bring us back to kind of the platform piece is, um, you know, SaaS versus PaaS. I think, you know, uh, 18 months, two years ago, we were talking about PaaS having better performance than SaaS. One of the advantages of Platform as a service, particularly on something like Azure, is you ring us up and say, you know, it's not performing very well. Um, it's slow. And, um, you know, our operations team can turn the knob up, so to speak. Now, when you turn the knob up, the cost goes up. Um, so, uh, it, it, you know, the, the, there's definitely a consequence of doing that, but potentially you're not stuck with your system running slow. We can, we can keep turning that knob up until it gets fast enough for your for you what there is there's two aspects to that though we shouldn't just use that you know badly performing software is often means that there's a data issue or there's a there's a coding issue so what we tend to find is when systems first go live they're they're nice and speedy and perform well and then after kind of uh, 12 months or even less, sometimes they start saying, ah, you know what, this is really slow. And, and that's because they've got 100,000 records in a table suddenly after lots of shipments. And they're trying to do a filter that 
isn't in an index and suddenly it's having to do what we call a table scan, go record, record right through that table from start to finish. You know, that's where actually a developer needs to come along, look at precisely what is causing this horrible word, so our system's slow. Yeah, that's the sentence we get. Actually, generally, it comes back to there's one, two, three, four, not many times I've seen more than five or six um, specific places it's slow. And actually, that's slowing everybody else down because while the system's doing that table scan, it's not necessarily transacting um, you know, other parts of the system uh, efficiently. So I, I'm still a, a big factor of we shouldn't use the performance of past to mask what are underlying issues with other areas of the system, be it um, you know, uh, too much data, data that you don't need to keep, or the uh, fact that from a, from a coding point of view, we need to put an index in the right place. I suppose what it does do, though, James, is if, if you do have an immediate issue, while that's being resolved, you can you can overcome it, even though it's you know a sticking plaster on it. But you could turn the resource up while uh, there's a plan being put in place to resolve the, the underlying issue. Completely, uh, you know, and finding that finding that underlying issue sometimes isn't as fast as you think it might be. Um, again, you know, actually, uh, we're probably better on pass at finding the issue because we've worked with SQL for longer and certainly with SQL Azure for longer and therefore we understand how to go and find, uh, you know, the long-running queries, et cetera, et cetera. Now, on SAS, we have some amazing telemetry that Microsoft have put in. Uh, there's a guy called Kenny at Microsoft who is a telemetry uh uh, or oh, evangelist, I would call him, is is is, is fervent about it. Um, and, and Microsoft themselves have looked at a lot of the telemetry for their own application and improved it significantly because of that. But this is new, guys, and I don't know of a partner um, in the world yet who's perhaps exploiting this as much as they should be um, because it's not, you know, it. it Getting one or two people with the right skills is one thing. Getting a whole team of people who can just jump on it whenever something uh, is reported as slow is, is a completely different challenge. And, and there's a whole new kind of technology base and, and a methodology to learn there. Okay, so, so finally then, is it worth just talking about existing customers? We touched on it earlier um, and the, their route from where they are now. Um to SaaS, if that's the decision that they they want to make, I think we've we touched on it a little bit, you know, in terms of existing customers mainly going to Business Central fourteen, um, and then get it. You have to get your your application right, so you have to get your customizations all of as extensions. Um, you know, you can't. You have to have an absolutely pristine um, set of CAL objects on BC fourteen everything as extensions, then we can roll you, we can either roll you direct to SaaS um, or, um, you know, we can we can upgrade you to what I would probably suggest is a two-step stage, stage where we upgrade you to kind of Business Central 17. That won't be difficult. That's, that's hours, not weeks. Um, if you're going from BC 14, all AL, to BC 17 with extensions, um, and then it's a case of once you're on 17, once that's working successfully on pass, then we can move you across onto SaaS if, if you want to. Um, and, you know, I, I, it's getting to the point where 
you would uh, you would look at each customer and say, why wouldn't you for the majority now, probably? I think and they the majority can take all the data. They can, can take all across. the data with them. So no history is lost. Should, should you want to, you can take all your data. Well, you, you can. The size of the data is the issue. So on SAS, you have an 80 gigabyte limit, um, you know, before you start paying for additional data. And promise you, you do not want to pay for additional data because the cost is astronomic um, for additional um, uh, space. And and don't forget 80 gigabytes, you know, that sounds a lot. But once you've got, that's 80 gigabytes for your um, your live system and your uh, sandboxes, isn't it, Matt? Am I yeah. right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, covers a whole lot. Yeah, and, and given that most of them are about the same size, you've got half and half, haven't you? Yeah, and it's, and it's about I think it's thirty two fifty a gig uh, for storage space. Which yeah, if you you go on Amazon and look at the cost of a disc, and you realise how expensive that is. But you know, and and the other thing is, Liz, I would say that most customers don't necessarily on SaaS have just one sandbox. No. You can have up to three, and a lot of them choose to have at least two. So you know, they'll have one for long term development and testing and they'll have another one which is a snapshot of their live system for this went wrong yesterday i want to try out exactly what work out exactly what happened so actually i'd probably contend that you need enough space to split it three ways not not just two but you know Um, there's 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 no harm in being tied in if it forces um people to consider you know what data they have what they need um and it forces people to think about a cleanup then um there's no harm in that well, I think I think you know customers already on SaaS need to do that before they hit the data limits. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's better to again, it's you know, like we said about DevOps, like being prepared for a problem is 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 a lot less bother than being than just hitting the roadblock. Um, and data sizes is one thing that that Business Central is a lot uh, on SaaS is you know is is a much much bigger issue than it was on PaaS or um, on prem. Microsoft are bringing some tools out for SaaS to help that um, in terms of data compression. But, um, yeah. And it, how about it, yeah? And, and and monitoring. You know, how, how do, if you were if you go over the the storage limit, what happens? Does it just happen? Then you get a bill, or how does it work? You, you get a warning. Um, you you know that you need to buy some more. You can't create any more sandboxes. I don't, I don't know what happens if you have let's say, a 40 gig database, or let's say a 42 gig database, and you want to create a sandbox and that takes you to 84, will it let you do it? It won't let you do it. I've tried. Okay, okay. I, 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 I've tried that situation. <laughs> um, and uh, um, the other thing, I mean, what would happen if, if you've already got the 40, you've got, say, a 38 gig um, sandbox in there, and then, uh, you know, your production database got to 44 uh, or or hit up used all the remaining space. I, I'm told it doesn't stop production. I remember somebody saying once. Yeah, that's right. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly how that works in terms of you just get warning after warning after warning, and then eventually, I guess they uh, they give you a phone call or something old school like that. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> stop you creating and posting a new transaction. Um, but you know. It is something to think about with, um, and, and maybe for some of our bigger customers, that will be a reason for staying on on pass. Because you, know, you look at some of our bigger customers um, 
uh, you know, they, they'd need to reduce the size of their database by a factor of 10 to yeah, even get into the 80 gig. They've got tables nearly that size, let alone whole databases. So. Yeah, but there's a question of whether they should be that size. I mean, they, you know, keeping data. We, we could have a whole podcast on data management, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah well, there you go. That, Liam, make a note. We'll do that one in the there's future. The, there's the next episode, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's my pet hate as well, so. Well, talking about different tables, you know, the, it does store lots of data, lots of the same data in lots of different places, doesn't it? So um, if, if you don't go and use it, you shouldn't keep it. Anyway, should any final points that anybody wants to cover or should we call it a day and, and go on to uh, to our next episode, which is um, which is clearly we've got lined up already. I think. Yeah, <laughs> managing your data. I think that's, um, we do that one next. Lovely. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, people, and uh, have a great day. And uh, thanks for listening. Please subscribe if you're uh, you're listening on your favourite podcast platform. Um, hopefully, we'll bring you some interesting uh, conversation around dynamics soon. Thank you. Mm-hmm.